me, I'm leading the way, leading the way. DG on top, how about you keeping the leg? Stand in my way, I don't feel my ops. I'm better with me, I'm a stay. Kick up my feet on the plane. Hold me, I'm leading the way. All right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. You know what time it is. That's right. Another edition of the one and only Fan in the Van podcast time. And as always, I'm joined by co-host Whitey Duval. So, Whitey, say hello to the people. Yeah, you know, it's great to be here, Jim. And uh, from what I hear, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic about the wrestling world in a little while. And, uh, you know, I really can't wait to really... uh. You know, start talking about that, you know, because, you know, I'm a huge wrestling fan. And, you know, we were texting during Dynamite last night, and, uh, you know, we definitely got to talk about the Stinger, you know. Well, yeah, we, well, we're, we're going to get into all that. We're, we're going to get into what was said by a two-time Hall of Famer as well, as far as the WWE Hall of Fame. We'll, we'll get into all that. But, you know, we still got football, obviously. Um... The one thing I got to say, I don't know if anybody's seen these new Nike jerseys for MLB baseball, but what putrid pieces of shit. I mean, they don't do a bad job with the NFL jerseys, to be honest. I think they are well done. But I think with the MLB jerseys, I think they just look like fucking death shrouds. But I don't know. Everybody's got their own take on it. Because I seen one the other day. Like I seen Louis Severino's Met jersey, which... It's very weird to say, considering the fact he was a Yankee for the longest time, but whatever, so be it. Um, you know, it's just like the letters are all small. It's like, okay, you're fucking Nike. You can't afford to just pretty much duplicate the way they've been made forever and just add like a little twist to it to make it a little more innovative. And said, Instead, you kind of like downgrade it a bit, like, you know, like the sport makes no fucking money. And you're just, like, hanging on for dear life. That's the way these jerseys look. I mean, even the pants. I mean, there's pictures of guys where literally, like, not for none. I don't want to see somebody bending over and I can see the framing of the sack and shaft. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think any guy wants to see that. You know, unless that's your thing, then that's your thing. You know, listen, to each his own. That's all I'm going to say, Whitey. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, they, they uh, you know, they do kind of look like shit. I got to be honest with you. Um, Also, too, yeah. Uh, I don't want to see the male appendage shaped out in, uh, you know, in a pair of baseball pants. Um, it, you know, it's rather grotesque, to be honest with you. Uh, but again, you know, to each his own. You know, hey, if you're into that thing, you're into that thing. You know, Jim, I agree with you. I, you know, I really don't care. You know, love is love, baby. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, true. But so we do got to get into the NFL. Obviously, now the Justin Fields rumors are heating up. Apparently, Atlanta has now emerged. So if this happens, Atlanta tells you this. It's going to tell you, in essence, the same story it would have told you if he goes to Pittsburgh, which is still not out of the realm of possibility. So it tells it tells you the Falcon fan now, the same thing I said it would tell the Steeler fan. We don't believe in Desmond Ritter, and we fucked up in this pick. And we don't see you as the future of this team. And we feel you're not bringing us anywhere other than keeping us in mediocrity. Which, which is true. Um, and you have the weaponry there. You have Kyle Pitts. Which we've seen Justin Fields utilize Cole Komet a lot. You got Drake London, who is a talent. 
you have a two-headed monster at running back with Tyler Algiers, and you got Bijan Robinson. And I think with Raheem Morris, you're gonna you're gonna get them utilized more, especially Bijan. Because I don't think Arthur Smith knew how to utilize Bijan's skill set. And I think that is what might hurt him in Pittsburgh as the offensive coordinator. Uh, it's yet to be seen, but we will see. Um, but all this clamoring for Justin Fields, and I, and a lot of people, again, there's a lot of, you know, he's not this guy that you all think he is. And look at the stats, and he runs a lot more. And and, and we've discussed it over the weekend, and, we, and I, I discussed it Tuesday. So I'm not really going to beat a dead horse about it. Everybody's formulated their own opinion. To me, in my opinion, you put him on a team with, with a good coaching staff, a good atmosphere, good team chemistry, and watch the kid flourish. Watch him do what, what C.J. Stroud did in year one. Now is what Justin Fields should have been doing when he came into the league. You would be saying, look at what Stroud's doing. He's doing what Justin Fields did coming out. Instead, you'd be saying, look at what Fields is doing now and comparing him to a second-year quarterback in C.J. Stroud. That's that's what I think, Whitey. Yeah, well, you know, I watched Justin Fields in Ohio State and kick a ball out, dog. You know, that's all I'm going to say. And, um, you know, yeah, that, that is going to be kind of shitty to compare him to a second-year quarterback. But, I mean, in Chicago, I mean, my God, they don't know what they're doing over there. You know, they don't. What, is Jerry Reinsdorf still on the team or something? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I particularly don't give a shit. But speaking of chemistry, so they did like these team grades. And it goes down to like coaching staff, dietitians, whatever it is. And they even did like the locker room. And you have Steeler fan Jesse on Twitter arguing about a locker room. Like, oh, if we improve the locker room setting, we'll win on the field. The fuck you will? What? So if you come in, you have a flat screen at your locker. That's going to inspire you to win a game? I don't give a shit what the locker room looks like. Hell, when I played baseball and basketball back in high school, you know what our locker room was? A fucking wood bench that was there since like 19-fucking-32 with lockers that were there since like 1963. And we had talent, and we still fucking sucked. <laughs> so, like, I, a locker room's not going to do shit for me. Like, I'm still going to go out there and play to the best of my ability. What, is Cam Hayward going to sit there and say, oh, yo, they, like, gave me a cup holder in my locker. Oh, I got to go out and get five sacks today. No. Yeah, Jim, you know, I don't think it really matters what the locker room looks like. You know, as long as they got the necessity to keep these guys in shape and all that, yeah, that matters. But as far as the locker room, I mean, shit. They can have my living room as a locker room if they want. And uh, they'd probably still be the same result on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I think it was just the dumbest fucking thing that, you know, obviously it's slow in the football world other than the rumor mill. You know, like the Colts, are they going to franchise tag Michael Pittman Jr. later on last night? I read they're, they're reaching in on a deal, which would save them from franchise tagging him. Cincinnati tagged T. Higgins in hopes of getting a deal done, which means... By Tyler Boyd. Um, does Tyler Boyd 
go to Pittsburgh? Does he go to Jacksonville? Does he go to a team that's ready to win now? Because if I'm Tyler Boyd, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to a team that's trying to figure it out. So, you know, like, take half those teams off the board right there. You know, um, the other day I seen the Jets told Zach Wilson's agent that that they're giving him permission to seek a trade. You should have did that, like, after the season ended. You should have never drafted Zach Wilson. I mean, don't get me wrong, because when I've shown you old videos of, of, of Fan and Van when me and Jay were doing it, you know, we were kind of, by year two or three, if Zach Wilson still hasn't shown you nothing, he's not the guy. And he's not the guy. And maybe he's not the guy because maybe the Jets are just simply cursed. I don't know. I'd have to ask my buddy Rob what he thinks. He'd probably say his fucking team's doomed for disaster. It's always been. This is why I drink like six bottles of wine during a game. And then my kid's crying, you know, you know, because the Jets lost. And, you know, look, the, you know, the Jets broke my heart for years. Now it's trickled down to my son, you know, which, yeah, it happens. But, you know, the other thing I've seen. I don't know. Hey, listen, if this is true and, and, and they could get away with this, I would hate to say, Kenny, you're the backup for the next three years. But if this is true, that Russell Wilson will sign in Pittsburgh once the release happens and he will sign for the veteran minimum, that's how I'll take him. That's how I'll take Russell Wilson. Because... I'm all for keeping as much draft capital as possible. Now, I understand you got to move some of it to make the make the moves to better the team. Well, yeah, you always got to do that, Jim. I mean, but, you know, to give away a King's Ransom is, a, you know, it's kind of a different story. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't want to give up a King's Ransom for a guy who might have three good years left. But if you give up a King's Ransom... And it turns out to the same to the same end, you know, the same story ending every year. You know what's gonna happen? Oh, we shouldn't have did this. We should have just stuck it out with Kenny, or we should have just kept Mason, or we should have just did this, or we should have just did. And it's just gonna be back and forth, a fucking calamity, a bullshit on Twitter. That really, I'm kind of getting sick and tired of reading. I've actually thought about even just deactivating Twitter, but I only keep Twitter really. Because it's, you know, the bullshit with E-Man through the messages or Aaron or, or Garrett and, and Brent and Dave. Other than that, or, you know, and, and to plug the shows, of course. But other than that, it's just really kind of getting tiresome on Twitter where it's like, where you just watch your fan base just argue with each other. And then you have the knowledgeable, like the older fans that are like putting you in your place and you're getting more butthurt. Or you get upset because there's female Steeler fans that want Justin Fields some of them may be for the wrong reasons and some of them are for the wrong and right reasons. Like some of them want because they feel that, oh, he's so sexy. Look at him without his shirt off. I really don't care about whether he has a shirt on or off. Can he win a Super Bowl with the team that we have? That's all I want to know. Can he do it? Will it produce to that? Like that's all I give a shit about. I don't care if he's running around Chicago with no shirt on Ducking and dodging fucking people on O-Block shooting each other, okay? 
And yeah, I live in New York and yet even I know about fucking O block or zero block, whatever the fuck it is. C block, D block, your block, A block, up, down, up, down, left, right, block, block. Okay. Like, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't give a shit. You know, like you go back to Russell Wilson and he was on, he was on a podcast with Brandon Marshall and they talked about the contract situation. Denver done fucked themselves because we all know what they did was illegal. Like, you have a signed contract, which is a guarantee to play with this team for X amount of years at X amount of dollars. X amount guaranteed and X amount incentives. Right? Yeah, well, you know, uh, that's kind of how a contract works. I don't think uh, Denver, maybe the Bronco ownership up there is uh, getting a little high on the reefer. And maybe they should comment that a bit, you know. What, you know, what are they trying to do up there? Recreate days and confuse? Because none of them look like fucking Mitch. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Or, or <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because I got asked, right, where all right, all right, all right, the intro to the show came from. And I think I've discussed this once before, so I'll reiterate on it. For anybody who's ever seen Days and Confused and knows Matthew McConaughey's saying like when he you know when he starts talking to somebody somebody says something you know by the way which was a lot of people's first movies now it was Matthew McConaughey's first movie I think it was like one of Ben Affleck's first movies it's just a fucking great movie overall that movie was kind of like how my childhood was in a way like we went out underage drinking smoking pot and doing all that shit but when he goes all right all right all right I don't know it kind of just stuck in my head I'm just like yeah, I'm just going to open the show with that. And, hey, whatever. But, but, but that's where that came from. But, like, so, like, when you when you tell somebody, yeah, we're going to bench you the last nine games if you don't restructure this injury guarantee. And, mind you, you asked him at the stupidest time because you just beat Kansas City. You were starting to gain momentum. So you don't bench him then. You wait till the last three games where you could have made the playoffs. And then you decide to bench him. So you pretty much shit the bed the rest of the year, which I think was stupid on their part. You you do all that. And where did it get you? It got you nowhere. So it is illegal. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, what kind of lawsuit, settlement, whatever it's going to be, maybe forfeiture or draft picks suspensions as far as like the GM, maybe even Sean Payton. I I don't know, but that's a long way away from from being done with. But I know you're getting eager. Yeah, I'm getting fucking eager. You know, I really want to talk about this. You know, more you're getting into the pantsy over here. All right, so we'll get into this. So obviously we know this week, this weekend coming up is... For, for everybody who watches wrestling, whether you watch it now, watched it then, still watch it today, whatever it is, everybody knows who Sting is. Okay? One of the biggest icons there is in the business. So, Sting's last match is coming up this weekend in a tag title match with Darby Allen versus the Young Bucks. I don't know why you're doing it as a tag team match. I guess it's kind of the carry Sting to it since he is a lot older. Although he has carried solo matches in AEW himself without needing Darby Allen. But regardless to that fact. So 
they're talking about people, like, you know, they're interviewing people that were a part of Sting's legendary career. Kevin Nash being one of them. Big Daddy Cool Diesel, right? Yeah, I love Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Um, um. So, <laughs> yeah, we all remember. I remember when he used to, yep. So, he goes, I don't need a picture of me at an AEW event saying I'm all elite when I'm in essence a WWE guy. Now, he's not on the payroll. But what he's saying is like, I'm loyal to Triple H. I can understand loyalty. And he feels that if he shows up for Sting's last match, that hurts his friendship with Triple H. I think he's afraid he hurts the ego of Triple H in a way. And that's something he's trying to steer away from. But yet, let's look at the other side of it. So you had Sasha Banks, right? Who left WWE with, with, um, with Naomi. And she's been traveling the world. She was in New Japan. Bailey went there and supported her. And she was seen on camera. No, no harm, no foul done there. She was then at Naomi's last TNA. At, one of, at Naomi's last matches for one of their pay-per-views. When she dropped the title to Jordan Grace. Her and Sasha Banks were there. A WWE employee. And a soon-to-be All Elite employee in Sasha Banks. Or Mercedes Monet, whatever the fuck you want to call her. All I call her is one one nice hot piece of trim. Okay. Ooh, that's Sasha Banks. You ever see that gluteus maximus? Ooh, it leaves me drooling, boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. No harm, no foul. So what would be the big issue if Kevin Nash showed up to Sting's last match? I mean, Ric Flair's already in AEW, and how Ric Flair gets paid is through his bullshit woo energy drinks, and now his woo wings, or whatever the fuck. I, I don't know what those are, nor do I really care, but I don't see the big issue in it. I mean, it, it's not like, again, it's not like there's this war going on where, like, back in the day where it's like, WCW hated WWE and WWE hated WCW, which then leads to this interesting thing that Kevin Nash said as well. He said, without Kevin Nash, without Scott Hall, there is no attitude error for the WWE. Now I'm reading comments because I think I've seen this more on Instagram than I did Twitter. And a lot of people are like, no, I think they would have went that route anyway. No, I don't think they would have. Because if you didn't have the NWO being the emergence it was, at first with Nash and Hall and questioning who's the third guy. All right, now Hogan's the third guy. Now who's joining next? And all right, who's next? And who's 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 gonna defect next to the NWO, right, Whitey? If you didn't have that. There would be no attitude error. So in essence, there would be no rock. There would be no stone cold. I mean, they would still be there, but they wouldn't be at the level. You wouldn't need Steve Austin to go out there, flip Vince McMahon off, stun him in the middle of the ring, kick him in his balls, nut tap him, give him fucking Arabian eye goggles, whatever the fuck it is, you know, that they were doing. All right. You wouldn't need any of that. You needed it to, to win the war because the NWO is what gave wrestling that resurgence again. Let's be honest. And I don't think Kevin Nash or or Scott Hall, who, you know, is no longer here, um, I think they deserve more credit 
than they actually get. And there's people that'll tell you no, and there's people that'll tell you yes. But to the people that think there wouldn't have been an attitude error without Nash and Hall and WCW doing the whole NWO angle and making it look like they were invading from WWE, which was something that, you know, was never done creatively that I think was done well because it did leave you guessing for some time. Like, I remember... I remember it like, like like it was like it was still 1995-96 and Scott Hall coming through the crowd versus uh, Mike Enos versus fucking I think it was Hugh Morris or whatever. Talk about back when you had stupid gimmick names. Hugh Morris. Like we don't know that means humorous. Whatever. Like you really thought kids were dumb then? Not really. Uh I think that was the match. I don't know. I, I know Mike Enos was involved. And Scott Hall comes through the crowd and cuts the promo that he cuts. You know, you, you all know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. That led everybody to think, oh shit. Vince is going to start a war and take out WCW Monday Nitro and WCW before they can reach any plateau of legendary status. Right? Well, we all know how that war ended. Vince won. It just went a little longer than expected. If you don't have that promo, if you don't have that incident occur, why the attitude error? You wouldn't have Sable out there popping the titties out and having lingerie matches and Edge almost banging lead in the middle of the ring in a fucking propped up bed. You wouldn't have any of that. You know what you'd have? Bland, boring bullshit. That's what you would have had. You, you know, and a lot of these guys wouldn't have went on to have the careers that they had and get the paydays they got or be able to branch off the way they did. Like, if you didn't have the attitude error, The Rock's not in Hollywood. If you didn't have the attitude error, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash aren't what they were. If you didn't do the NWO angle, they're not who they are. You, you know, like a lot of these guys involved wouldn't have had the careers they had. Like, I don't think you would have had a lot of what happened. Like, I think you still would have had Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels still because there was a lot of hatred between the two of them. I think you would have that you would have had some you would have had Rock Austin feuding, but I don't think it would have been to the lengths that you had it. But when you go back to Sting's career, because obviously, you know, he started like an NWA and all the, like, you know, back when you had the territories and all that. And he comes to WCW. WCW goes out of business and Sting went through a lot of, you know, he went from Hollywood Blonde Sting to the Crow Sting to Wolfpack Sting to WCW's out of business Sting. And... He goes to TNA when he could have went to WWE, but he didn't like the direction WWE was in at the time because you still had all the the nonsense going on that people like to call it. So he went to TNA and he had a career there. And then in 2015, all right, let's bring Sting in. And WWE fumbled the ball. I don't think we're talking about this being Sting's swan song this Sunday. If WWE did it right. And I think where they really fumbled it to be honest, is Triple H versus Sting at WrestleMania. 
And I think that's where the ego came in, where Triple H like, I'm not going to lose to a WCW guy. Because in their mind, in, in the creative mind of WWE, it's like, well, if we have Triple H lose to Sting, then WCW wins the war. So the question remains, why then is, how do you win a war that was already over with? Like, yeah, Sting was a WCW guy, but there's nothing wrong with having him beat Triple H, letting the guy, he could have went out on top right there. Yeah, well, you know, he could have, but, you know, you know, Triple H is, you know, for a big ego, he's got a big nostril as well. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You know, he's like Christopher Moltisanti. He could smoke a camel cigarette in the rain and it would never get wet, you know, because his nose is just a natural canopy. But, you know, and I'm sure Rob, your dispatcher, would love to smoke under that nose in the rain instead of hiding in the corner, you know, over by the fucking trailer somewhere or going to his car to smoke. But, um, you know, yeah, the WWE really fumbled the ball with Sting. I gotta be honest with you. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. I think Vince was more involved in that. And, uh, you know, but it's great to see that Sting's finally calling it quits. And he was able to come back after the botched buckle bomb by Seth Rollins. Well, yeah, and, and that's and that's the thing that kind of, in essence, took Sting out of the equation in WWE. You know, they have him go up against Seth for the Universal title. You could have seen Sting as... That's another thing you fumbled the ball on. If you don't have that botched buckle bomb, would they have actually put the universal title on Sting? I think you could. I think you could have got a decent run with Sting as universal champion at the time. I really think you could have had a decent run. But then a lot of people would be like, "There they go. They're giving the you know like like what they do with Bill Goldberg. Like they bring Goldberg in." And they did it twice, and they were in squash matches. They give him the universal title, but literally it was just a temporary band-aid till, you know, like Roman Reigns would come back, or this guy would come back, or this guy was healthy, or whatever it is. And a lot of people feel if you did that with Sting, it would just be a temporary band-aid till they handpick somebody bigger and better to be champion. That could run with the belt as long as they can and market it as long as they can and make as much money as long as they can. And I think they I think they fumbled the ball. I, you could have done that with Sting. You could have had him universal champ for a little bit. You know, but then he left. And, you know, after the injury, he left. And, and he pops up in AEW. AEW's let him have the creative freedom in essence, and I think for a guy like Sting, when you talk about the wrestling business, there are guys who who handwrite their own tickets to get that. Guys like like there are guys who got that and abused it, like Hulk Hogan. Hulk, and we all remember that even during the WCW Monday Night War. And this is where it really kind of went downhill for WCW in a way. Well, 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 well this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back when they had that whole thing with with Jeff Jarrett and Vince Russo wanted to put the title on Jarrett. And Hogan didn't want to drop the title, or like they wanted Hogan to win the title. That's what it was. they wanted Hogan to win the belt. He, he Hogan was wrestling Jeff Jarrett to win the belt. I should say Whitey. I'm trying to remember. It's still early in the morning, and it's so long ago. Hogan wanted to beat Jeff Jarrett for the title because he had creative control. The WCW gave gave out these ridiculous contracts, and they gave out these ridiculous incentives, and they're like, "Okay, you create your own character." So Hulk Hogan, said, well, I want to be champ. Or, well, you know, brother, I want to be champ, brother. So, Jeff Jarrett, 
You're going to lay down, brother. And if you don't lay down, brother, I'm going to make you eat your vitamins and say your prayers, brother. Because what you're going to do when politic and Hulkamania runs wild on you, brother? You, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's one of those, you know, so they were going to have him win the title. Then Jeff Jarrett turned around, whatever, whatever it was, somebody turned around, like, no, 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 you know what, I don't want to win the title. And then, no, 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 I don't want to drop the title. No, no, yeah, so it's one of those, and then they do the, Jeff Jarrett lays down and he goes, fucking pin me, Hogan. He goes, take your title. And he walks out of the ring and then Vince Russo, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan says, you know, this is why this company's in the shape it's in because of Vince Russo. The company was really in the shape it was in, to be honest, because of egos like Hulk Hogan. You know, don't get me wrong. Hulk Hogan goes down as one of the, one of the biggest names in the business. You know, iconic. You know, you, you know, you think Hulkamania, you think red and yellow, you think Hollywood Hogan, you think NWO, which kind of takes away from Nash and Hall a bit. But, you know, Hulk Hogan was kind of the demise of WCW in a way. He had a handling in it. A lot of guys did. Even Kevin Nash did in a way. Um, Hulk, and you saw it in TNA when Hulk Hogan had to run TNA. And he thought he could go up against Vince in, in WWE because at that time, you know, he was, he was hell bent on like revenge against Vince. Like, okay, you know something, brother? I could take a company like TNA, brother, and I'm going to go up against Monday Night Raw with Jeff Hardy, who can't stay sober, brother, as champion, brother, with an ugly-looking title, brother, and Eric Bischoff's going to be with me, brother, and Jason Weaver from Wonder Years, who played Arnold, brother, is going to help be creative, brother, you know, it's like... No, that that was never going to work. And it was just, again, it was the agenda of Hulk Hogan pushing guys that he was buddy-buddy with. You know, and it's like, you, 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 you can't do that. But I, but to revert back to the whole beginning of the topic of wrestling, I don't think Kevin Nash is wrong for being loyal. Like, he's not on the WWE payroll. But we all know he's been best friends with Triple H for, for years, now, decades. And he feels a type of loyalty. And to him, he feels if he showed up at an AEW event, even if it's a one-off, and AEW says, listen, we'll pay you 25000 And all you have to do is just sit in a crowd, and we'll pay for the ticket, all accommodations paid for, flight, hotel, whatever. All you do is just sit there. As being one of the guys that Sting's ever faced. Because Lex Luger, that guy can't even fucking walk. He apparently is going to be there. You know, Ric Flair comes out. And I, I, I didn't understand this. You know, like a week or two before. He's like, I don't like the way I'm being booked. And then he goes and he talks to the Young Bucks. And it was supposed to be this swerve. And then Flair comes out last night. And listen, Flair is no business mixing it up with anybody. That was atrocious. Like that whole like that segment was atrocious, and the only thing saved it was Sting coming down from the rafters, which he has not done in like two decades. Plus, okay, that's what saved it was Sting coming down and then just annihilating the Young Bucks with Darby Allen. That's the only thing that saved that segment because if you left it as the Bucks stood tall over Darby Allen and Ric Flair, and you didn't have Sting for the final dynamite, Whitey, that would have been a fucking clusterfuck. But luckily, in hindsight being 2020, Sting saved that segment. Hands down. Oh, yeah, he did. You know, because we were texting. And I'm like, 
you know what I sent this to you? I said, you know, Ric Flair is, has no business being out there throwing the worst fake punches I've ever seen. That would be like me going out there trying to suplex fucking Big Show. Your shit just ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna look good. And uh, I understand Ric Flair still wants to be in the game, but uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta know when to hang him and hang him and walk away. And uh, you know, I keep reading this guy wants to wrestle another one last match. How many one last matches you need, you fuck? Yeah, well, I I happen to see clips of that last match when it was him and his son-in-law versus Jay Lethal and and Jeff Jarrett down in Mexico. Yeah, he was dehydrated. Bitch, your old ass missed the early bird special and couldn't stay up for the match. Sleeping in the corner. Come on. That was atrocious, but... I don't think Kevin Nash would be wrong, though, if he showed up. I think, honestly, if Scott Hall was still alive, I think Scott Hall would show up. You're not really going to see Hulk Hogan there. And I'd be surprised if they did it. Because I know that Tony Khan in the past has said that he would never work with somebody like Hulk Hogan. Because of the, the tape that came out. Not the sex tape. The racial tape. You know. Um, we all know if you heard the tape, you know. Not going to repeat what's said in it. Because A, words in it that I don't have a pass on by some and some I do um, doesn't matter even if I have a pass I'm still not going to say it uh, so it doesn't matter um, but we know what tapes they are we know and Tony Khan has been said that he won't work with somebody like Hulk Hogan and probably because Hulk Hogan will demand a lot of money He'll probably be like, well you know Tony you want me to come to AEW brother you want me to be all elite for one night brother it's going to cost you like 25 million brother because I got to fund Hogan's Beach Shop, brother. And I can use your $25 million to pay the rent, brother. And it's like, no, nah, I, I wouldn't see that. But I think you're going to see... I think you're going to see guys from Sting's past there, in, you know, in the crowd. And I think you'll see interviews with guys that, you know... I, even if Kevin Nash did an interview, like a, like a day-before interview for it, I don't think you're hurting... Triple H's feelings, and I don't think Triple H would be butthurt by it. I can understand if it was... Actually, no, I couldn't understand if it was anybody. Like, if it was a Bret Hart swan song in AEW, let's say. I don't think you could even be hurt by that. Like, if he, if Kevin Nash wanted to go there. Like, like, like reverse the rules. It's Bret Hart swan song, right, Whitey? And... Shawn Michaels is asked if he would show up. And if Shawn Michaels said this, you know, well, me and me and Triple H have been best friends forever, you know, and I'm a WWE guy. And take away the fact that he runs NXT, that he's like the, you know, he's, he's the creative control for NXT. And if Shawn Michaels was in the situation instead of Nash and it's Hart, it Bret Hart instead of, instead of Sting, you know, would we be having the same discussion? I think we would. But I would see Shawn Michaels going. Because they had the hatred. Then they buried the hatchet. Then I think you would see Shawn Michaels show up out of respect. And I think that's something that... Listen, 
I, I don't think Triple H would be hurt by it, and I don't think his ego would be shattered if Nash did it. Because, again, we, we've seen, like, Bailey show up at, at, at New Japan shows. We've seen her at TNA shows. Granted, yeah, WWE and TNA, behind closed doors, do business together in, in a sense when it comes to the Royal Rumble, where they have one of that, you know, regardless of that. I don't see the issue with Nash's comments to kind of wrap it up and put a bow on it. I don't see the issue with Nash's comments because it's coming from, to me, a side of loyalty. He's not sitting there saying like, yeah, all elites a shit company and I would never do business with them. I think just what he's saying is, listen, I'm a Triple H guy. Like you have Paul Heyman guys. He's a Triple H guy. And it's not like he's getting paid to make these comments. But you should also know when you ask Kevin Nash something that's going to have a bit of debate to it, you know he's going to give you an honest answer. So don't act like you didn't know it was coming. Like you didn't think he was going to say any of this and then people are going to take the task and say, oh, well, Kevin Nash is an asshole for this. I don't think he, I don't think he is. I don't think it would hurt if he showed up. But again, it, it, it's his choice. Now, again, if money were to talk, I think Kevin Nash does it. But... Who knows? We'll have to see. Because it's this Sunday, AEW Revolution, Sting's last match. And it's been one hell of a career. I got to see Sting wrestle a lot in my childhood, you know, on TV, watching Nitro a lot. So, you know, how many guys can go out the way they want to go out? Not many get to do it. Like, Stone Cold really didn't get to go out the way he wanted to because of the injuries. Bret Hart really didn't get to go out the way he wanted to because of a lot of shit. Um, and then there's guys like Sting that get to do it. So, not a bad deal. But with that being said, uh, I'd just like to thank everybody who follows, retweets, listens. Uh, obviously, my guys, Brett and David, 1420 Sports. Um, Definitely, definitely Garrett and Jalen over to Dudes with Sports News, as well as Garrett's solo project. Is this a bad take? I got to get with Garrett today to see if we're recording Saturday. Um, so I'll have an answer probably later in the day about that. Uh, definitely go check out Aaron and Joey House at Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Uh, even though Aaron says I should take over the Brutally Honest name. I don't know, maybe. That would be a long podcast name, though. Fan in the Van is Brutally Honest Podcast. I don't know, Whitey. Yeah, it does sound a little long, but, uh, you know, not for nothing. He said it Friday night. You're living up to the name more than he is. It, yeah, but you know what? It's his, you know what? It's, you know what? For, like, a wrestling term, it's his gimmick. You know, it's his shtick. You know, I, I'm not going to take that from the guy. The fuck am I? WCW stealing WWE storylines? <laughs> Come on. I'm not doing that. Um... But definitely check them out. Check out my man, E-Man, at Average Joe Sports. Uh, we should be doing another Cigar and Sports episode soon. Uh, I got to get with him as well. Uh, definitely go check out, as well, the IAP Sports Podcast, the BSing Sports Podcast. Uh, if you're into pro wrestling, you need to check out these three. Uh, John Wrestling Fans Insight, for one. Uh, very interactive on Twitter. Uh, always trying to support everybody and and promote everybody's podcast, even if it's just putting it in, like, uh, who people should be listening to type tweet thread, you know, it's always appreciated. Shout out to him and his crew over there. Um, 
Definitely check out Chair Shot Sports. Definitely check out Beyond the Script. If you're into sports betting, check out Nate's Daily Wagers and the You Bet Smart Sports Podcast. If you're going to Vegas and you want to know what's going on, where to go, all the good shit that goes on in Vegas, not the bad shit that you see on the show jail, go check out Visit Vegas Places. Um, my memory's escaping me, but to everybody who follows, retweets, non-podcasters like my buddy Brandon, my buddy Rob from high school, um, just everybody in general, again, without any of you, we're not doing this. So with that being said, hope you enjoyed this episode, especially the wrestling podcasters out there. I hope you enjoyed it. If you feel I'm wrong on something, we could definitely debate it. I don't mind taking criticism. I'm not somebody who lives sensitively where it's, oh my God, you said that I was wrong. Now I have to go sit in a crying room. Like I, I don't do that. So, uh, with that being said, uh, next episode, which will probably be either Monday or Tuesday, I did get an interesting message about the Dak Prescott take. And I will address it in the next episode because I'll leave out who messaged me about it. But they feel Dak is worth every bit of $60 million. And I will explain why he isn't again and why at the end he decided to finally cave and agree. That'll be on the next episode. With that being said, stay safe and as always... Peace.